Welcome to Investing Compass. Before we begin, a quick note that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature. It does not take into consideration your personal situation, circumstances, or needs. So, Mark, you went on a trip recently. Well, I mean, I went on a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I went to I went to Canberra, and just so and just so people are aware, well, I went to Canberra because good friends of mine who you know mm-hmm. had a baby, and I've met the baby before, but. You, know, you went to see the baby. I went to see the baby. I'm terrible children, by the <laughs> way. Um, so I don't really know what to do, but I the baby's name is Lorelai, and I held Lorelai twice. And there's this weird picture of me holding Lorelai up. You look very uncomfortable. I know. The baby <laughs> looks very uncomfortable. Yeah. Lorelai looks very uncomfortable. It's but... not a good time for anyone in that photo. Yeah. So. But Shawnee is a huge fan of Canberra. I, I, well, I went to uni in Canberra. Yeah. So, so... Shawnee went to A&U, and mm-hmm. my, we went to Canberra one weekend. Yeah. So I showed Mark around. Um, I took him to Broad Burger, which has great burgers. It, it does. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, the Broad Burger. Yeah. <laughs> what else did we do? What, what was the highlights of the trip? I don't know. It was very cold. Yeah. We did go wine tasting. We did go wine tasting on the way in. So mm-hmm. that was nice. Um, it was very cold. We went on a couple walks mm-hmm. early in the morning, sort of around Parliament. And I don't know. What did we look at there? Parliament House, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm <laughs> so am- not really much else. I'm so amazed every time, and I've only done it a couple times, but going to Parliament House in Australia because there's like an, no security. Yeah, as an American, I'm like, <laughs> where's the security? There's like one dude hanging out there, and you know, the U.S. Obviously, we saw what it takes to storm the Capitol in the U.S., but you know, there's still, in theory, a lot more security. So anyway, yeah. Um, should we get started with the episode? We should. Okay. We should. So today we're going to tackle the sexier side of investing. Which sounds strange, right? But <laughs> on all sides, sexy. I, I think so. I yeah. don't know. It makes me wonder what we do every other time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to tackle the side that, in the words of Choice, which is a consumer group, says that are the financial heroin hits for investors, and who does not like heroin? <laughs> so these are investments that many investors are starting to dabble with, and you know we've seen lately market returns slow. And many new investors that are used to these performance graphs that look like hockey sticks to the sky are probably thinking, now what do I do? Um, So there are some investors that, of course, think that the markets will continue like they have since the GFC forever. But obviously, as we've seen, there can be hiccups in this. But what these eye-watering returns have done, especially for new entrants to the market, is that it has made it an expectation. And this has forced these investors to look outside of the faltering equity markets to more exotic ways of, in their mind, pumping up returns. And we've spoken about the rise of these speculative tools in our derivatives episode. Yeah, we spoke about options. So the notional value of options activity in the US is set to exceed the stock market for the first time. So that notional value for single stock options is $450 billion in the US compared to $405 billion for the underlying shares. And we spoke about how this growth is accelerating. So in 2019, the Options Clearing Corporation, which supports options trading, cleared 4.4 billion equity options contracts. 2020, that figure was just 7 billion. So in 2021, through the first 11 months, it was 8.6 billion. And I think it's important to acknowledge why we are addressing this topic. We're seeing investors or speculators or traders, whatever you want to call them, moving into these corners of the market to seek the returns that they've been used to. And if you look at Google Trends, searching for day trading rose 80% in 2020. 
And we think anyone can be a good investor, but most people are terrible speculators. It isn't a sustainable way to invest. Over time, the stock market goes up. So when people invest with a longer time frame, they, of course, capture this. Otherwise, with shorter periods, it is completely random. None of us know how the market is going to move day to day. Trump could tweet something. Ukraine could get invaded. Amazon could say that they're in talks to acquire Peloton. There are all sorts of factors influencing share price movements that add randomness to short-term share prices. And this is why people fail at speculating. Exactly right, Mark. And I think as humans, we are hardwired to seek instant gratification and rewards. And so the marketplace has geared products to suit this desire. And rationally, we know that short-term trading is not sustainable, yet there was that 80% increase in search uh, searches on Google Trends. Rationally, we know that there is no financial product or instrument that can provide outsized returns with minimal risk, but there are products that are marketed as this and investors use them. And that was our long way of coming to today's topic, which is CFDs or contracts for difference. So let's spend a little bit of time explaining what this is, and then we can go through why we're speaking about CFDs right now. So do you want to explain what a CFD is, Shani, and why it's appealing for people looking for returns? Mm. So a contract for difference, or CFD, is a contract between a buyer and a seller. And the contract stipulates that they exchange the difference in value between the time the contract opens and closes. And the assets that are usually linked to CFDs include FX, indices, equities, commodities, and even crypto. So let's go through an example to show exactly what this means. So say that you're feeling positive and you think that the market or a particular stock will rise. In this instance, you would buy CFD contracts. So say that you purchase 1,000 AGL contracts for $7, so $7,000. AGL has appreciated to $8. That means you make a dollar a share or $1,000 overall as a profit. On the flip side of this, if you have a negative outlook for a share or the market, let's use the same exact scenario, except you think that AGL is going to decline in value. So in this case, you'd sell. You'd sell 1,000 AGL contracts for $7, so $7,000. If for $6, $1 per share, you make $1,000 in this scenario. And with CFDs, you use leverage, which means that you contribute a portion of the funds, but the rest are lent to you. And you pay interest on this amount that's lent to you. So these are instruments that are naturally built to be held for less time. And so these contracts for different, so CFDs, they don't expire. It's up to you how long you hold it. But as Mark said, the interest that you pay will accrue and it just isn't built for long-term strategies. So CFDs are really for short-term trading and nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody knows what an individual share is going to do today, tomorrow, in a month. And in Australia, the average holding time for a CFD is three days. So these are speculative instruments. They're really no different to gambling. So what happens when a CFD goes wrong? Because of the leverage involved, small market movements can have a big impact on returns. There's a market movement that movement that isn't in your favor. The CFD provider can demand a second margin payment. Can't meet these payments, you'll have to close your position at a loss. So let's use AGL as our example, and we'll include the leverage built in this time when we go through it. All right. So AGL is trading at seven dollars. There's a five to one limit on share trading leverage in Australia at the moment. So say that you purchase seven thousand dollars worth, and this is multiplied to thirty-five thousand dollars in value due to leverage. Say that AGL drops to $6. You multiply it by the units that you have, $5,000, for a $30,000 loss. And this is where CFD trading becomes dangerous. And not to mention the fees. So the spread that brokers charge as well as commission means that investors are immediately on the back foot. We can use CMC Markets, a broker, as an example. There's a commission charge. This is 0.09%. 
of for each trade. So using the same example, that's $31.50. Then there's the spread, which is charge, which is charged going into the contract and then leaving the contract. Say the spread is one cent on either side. That's $50 on the way in and $50 on the way out. So why do people who invest in CFDs invest in CFDs? Well, advocates for CFD trading, and it's not obvious, we are not among them, <laughs> say that it's because CFDs allow retail investors to gain exposure to some asset class that they may not be able to afford to access in any sort of other way. And they think that they can be appropriately used in investors' portfolios to hedge risk or amplify returns. And when we look at the asset classes that brokers offer, they are shares, treasuries, currency pairs, commodities, and stock indices, all of which there is exposure for through managed vehicles like ETFs. You're, of course, gaining broader exposure than a single asset in a CFD, which is the argument that proponents of CFDs are putting forward. But again, for what purpose? Betting on the short-term movements of currency or treasury bonds is not investing, it is gambling. And that is, of course, fine. But as we often say, anyone can make a good or anyone can be a good investor. All you need is knowledge, patience, some self-awareness, and a plan. Most people make terrible speculators or gamblers. Long-term investors do not need to lever up and invest in single asset, single asset exposure through a CFD. And hedging. So I looked at a few articles for investors that use CFDs and how exactly they were using them as hedges. Most of the examples followed a similar trend. An investor is holding shares in their portfolio for the long term. It's got a great long-term outlook and is paying regular dividends. This investor could use CFDs if the, short, if the short-term outlook was bearish, so they didn't face a loss but also did not want to sell. And this argument, of course, is ridiculous, right? Long-term investors care about two prices, the price they buy in at and the price that they sell at. All the prices in between really do not matter. This is the equivalent of a cigarette company saying that some people smoke for health reasons. It just seems like a lot of these advocates for CFDs are trying to make an inherently short-term product suitable for long-term strategies, and the glove just does not fit. And we're speaking about these instruments because we've reached a deciding point on the future of CFDs in Australia where in the coming months, the federal government must decide whether they're going to extend restrictions on CFDs until 2031. So let's take a step back and look at what these restrictions are and why they've been applied. The main restriction that ASIC applied was limits on CFD to reduce leverage. These rules came into effect in March of 2021. The leverage that an investor can take out with a CFD range from 30 to 1 to 2 to 1, depending on the asset. 30 to 1 is applicable for currency and 2 to 1 for crypto, with other assets littered between those ranges. And this is considered light. These instruments are already banned in the US and Hong Kong because of their speculative nature and the disastrous financial consequences they can have. When we look prior to the restrictions that ASIC applied, investors were borrowing up to 500 times the amount of their um, amount that they contributed for some assets. We saw that example that there was a ratio of five to one. Now think about that impact if it's 500 to one. And this is not the first instance where we've seen regulators step in to protect individual investors. We saw it when binary options were banned in Australia for retail investors, which is a derivative. So let's take a look at what happened with binary options. So why don't we start by explaining what they are? Okay. Well, binary options are basically a bet. With shares, there's price movements up and down at every price point from zero to infinity. With binary options, there's only one of two outcomes. You get a fixed cash payout or you lose all of your money. Sounds like sports bet. Exactly, Shani. You bet on the outcome of an event. ASIC reviewed binary options before they were banned and found that 80% of retail clients lost money. 
And as a result of this review, binary options were banned from May in 2021. And so now, in the next few months, it will be decided whether CFDs will be available to trade, even though we strongly agree with the stance of the US and the UK, that they just shouldn't be a part of the investing landscape for retail investors. But I think we need to take a step back and see why CFDs are becoming an attractive option for investors. As investors, we can invest across a broad spectrum of assets, but we only do so if it makes sense from a risk and returns return perspective. And what Shani means by that is that we, as investors, trade the risk for trade the risk that we take on for return. We wouldn't invest in equities if they promised us the same returns as the risk-free rate. We wouldn't invest in junk bonds over corporate bonds. But what we're seeing is that the return outlook for many asset classes are well below what we've seen in the last decade. And investors have gotten used to, and in some cases, plan their retirements and retirement income around these outcomes repeating in the future. And we've spoken about this a few times and what we see as the outlook and what we see as the outlook for the equities market. But it's not going to be the outstanding results that we've experienced in the past. It's going to be lower returns, and many investors are going to be left disappointed. And we've seen recently returns have dampened slightly, and many new investors who are only used to stellar returns are seeking out other vehicles to continue to give them those returns. And we've seen this through speculative behavior. So GameStop, AMC, SPACs, crypto, NFTs, you name it. These are investors taking on more and more risk to garner that return that they have become accustomed to. And in Australia, vehicles like CFDs are at the center of this. So when I was researching for this podcast, I was looking at brokers that allowed CFD trading. They have information and educational resources ready to go for new CFD traders, and it was aimed to them like they were beginners. Yeah. And of course, it doesn't matter if you're a beginner or you're an experienced investor. It does not change the fact that CFDs are pure speculation. But it is important to acknowledge the reasons why they've become popular. And this is really twofold. Investors that rely on returns to generate income or support financial goals, and those who have entered the market recently that have not experienced a bear market. Both of these situations based on personal circumstance are valid reasons for discontinuing this exploration. I think it is important to acknowledge that the balance of risk and return is disproportionately skewed towards risk with these investments, which is why we're seeing these restrictions come in. And Choice, which is who we mentioned at the beginning, has been advocating for CFDs to be banned in Australia, like in the US and Hong Kong. They anticipate that significant consumer harm will eventuate if these restrictions are removed because they have worked to an extent. So ASIC said within the first three months since the intervention, retail clients suffered $22 million of net losses from CFD trading, which was a 94% reduction from the previous year. The average loss per retail loss-making account also halved from $1,962 to $986. Morningstar Investor is built for investors by investors. It provides independent research and data on over 40,000 securities, tools to build and maintain an investment portfolio, and investor education resources to support you, regardless of where you are in your investing journey. Explore opportunities with our monthly global best ideas. Explore our ETF model portfolios. Plan better with two years of dividend forecasts for ASX-listed stocks. And stay informed with independent thought leadership. We've built tools to help you construct, monitor, and maintain your portfolio, including our Portfolio Manager, integrated with one of Australia's leading portfolio tracking tools, ShareSite. Morningstar has been empowering investor success for over 35 years. We're passionate about your outcomes and are here every step of the way as you achieve them. Take out a free four-week trial to access our resources. Find the details in the episode notes.
So we know why investors are getting into these speculative instruments that, in more cases than not, result in the loss of your money. We spoke about derivatives like options in our derivatives episode. In some cases, they can have a place in a portfolio if used for hedging. These instruments that we're discussing in today's podcast are different. We are of the opinion that these have no place in an investor's portfolio. And whether you use these instruments or you're watching from the sidelines, the fact that investors are utilizing them at all is, you know, a tell of the speculative behavior that we're seeing in the market that will impact all investors. So what is the solution to the low returns that are most likely going to happen going forward? Well, there is no perfect solution. And CFDs and binary options are definitely not it. And as investors, we have levers that we can pull to adjust our rate of return requirements. It's not a static number that must be reached by whatever means possible. When we look at the inputs into the rate of re- required rate of return, there's time, expectations, and contributions. We are both lucky because we have time until we reach our goals and the capacity to adjust contributions, so we can expect to reach our goals depending on what we want to adjust. With planning, investors can adjust to the low return environment that our research teams expect could last for over a decade. That is one of the nicest things you've ever said about me, that we both have time until our goals. <laughs> wow. Johnny must be coming around. Mark's going red. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> um, but time and contributions are sometimes immovable. So everyone's situation, of course, is different. And you know, sometimes that timeline can't be extended and you can't contribute more to your goal. So that leaves expectations. And there's expectations for future returns that are linked to expectations of your final outcome. And there's no perfect solution, as we mentioned, and these instruments that are charading as an attractive cure-all are definitely not it. What we can learn from this is that especially when markets are at an inflection point, as we think they may be now, it usually comes with speculative behavior that will lead to the market falls. So as long as this behavior exists, companies will create ways to exploit it. may not be as obvious as CFDs and binary options, and in some instances, you'll have to self-regulate as the regulation plays catch up. We have been lucky to receive the returns that we have in the recent past, and investor expectations should be adjusted as we move forward, in our opinion. The risk of these instruments is just not worth the potential of return. Exactly. All right. So thank you guys very much for joining us today. Once again, we'd love you to recommend this podcast to your friends and family and would love any ratings or comments in your podcast app. Any advice in this podcast is general advice or regulated financial advice under New Zealand law prepared by Morningstar Australasia Proprietary Limited and or Morningstar Research Limited without reference to your financial objectives, situations or needs. You should consider the advice in light of these matters and any relevant product disclosure statement before making any decision to invest. To obtain advice for your own situation, contact a financial advisor.